Hi there, Chris here. I own, write, narrate, and produce The Tall Guy with the Short Stories. It's a big job, but it's a labor of love. I have a passion for reading and writing, and with a voice like this, how could I not narrate as well? I also produce the show because I enjoy listening to new, fresh podcasts every week, and I know you do too. So, I'd like to say thank you for joining me on the Tall Guy with the Short Stories podcast. All episodes go together with each other, and I'd hate to have any part of the story spoiled for you, so if you missed the last episode, or any of the episodes, I'd like to invite you to go back and check out all the episodes I've released. You can find them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. If you're up to date with all the episodes, (laughs) buckle up, because here we go, a brand new episode of Thomas Tales on the Tall Guy with the Short Stories podcast. Hey friends, Gritter here. On this podcast, I've made it a point to advertise for small businesses. To that end, I'm very excited to tell you about another product I've just been made aware of. Juniper and Willow Handmade Soaps, which you can find on Instagram at Juniper and Willow Boutique, all one word, is a small business out of Dallas, North Carolina. They heard about my podcast from Meech's Minis, and they asked if I might be able to advertise for them. I told them I'd love to, but would have to test the soap first. They graciously sent me a bar of soap entitled Zen, and the test shower was magical. A mystical aroma enshrouded me and calmed me as I bathed. Not only that, it cleansed me gently and completely. I felt clean and refreshed from the soap and the scent. You can also find them on Facebook at facebook.com backslash juniper and willow, and you can order at their website at https colon backslash backslash juniper dash and dash willow dot square dot site backslash. You owe it to yourself to give them a try. A wonderful bathing experience thanks to Juniper and Willow and their Zen handmade soap. Don't forget to tell them that the tall guy sent you. Another sponsor for this episode is Meech's Minis. If you go to Etsy.com and you search in that little search bar up top, Meech's Minis, M-E-A-C-H-S-M-I-N-I-S, one more time, M-E-A-C-H-S-M-I-N-I-S, you will find some work from a true genius. Not only can the man paint minis, he can also modify them. I mean, depending on what you want done. But don't take my word for it. Go on over to Meech's Minis on Etsy.com and take a look at some of the beautiful stuff he's made. One of today's sponsors is J. Randall Art. That's two L's in Randall, by the way. If you go to J. Randall Art on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, I would really appreciate it if you gave him all the likes you could muster. He's a pretty great guy and a fantastic artist. Make sure to tell him the tall guy sent you. The Tall Guy with the Short Stories is also the tall guy who loves disc golf. If you're looking for disc golf stuff, 
maybe discs, or bags, or rangefinders, or maybe even apparel, you should go on over to evolutiondiscs.com. If you use the code CDS on your checkout, you'll get 10% off, and you'll be helping out the local tall guy. You know, the one with the short stories. The smith urged the horses for a better pace. It seemed every bump elicited a groan from Brand, as his arm was very tender. Will stayed close to his brother, asking often if there was anything he could do to help. Thomas and Z again walked most of the distance, taking short breaks upon the wagon as it rumbled ever closer to Angers Hall. Always together, always wary, with half an eye on each other. The pair had become even closer since the attack by the necromancer's forces, and they were determined to keep each other, as well as the three in the wagon, safe. They had begun traveling straight away, and Thomas noted that Smith was setting a pace that outstripped the pace they moved at yesterday. The burly man's eyes darting left and right, his head seemingly on a swivel as he scanned for any sign that danger was close, any tell signifying that they were being watched. His face had darkened into a scowl as he looked round, and he spoke sparingly. After what seemed like hours, the sun was rather hot with no trees over the path, they stopped the horses to give them a rest, some water, and let them graze next to the path. Will and Brand got down off the wagon, the younger helping the elder as they stretched their legs, wearied after being so still for so long. Z and Thomas, who had been keeping within fifty yards of the wagon, made their way toward their friends so they could all rest together. Thomas was intensely curious. As they had been doing nothing for so long, he hadn't had a chance to talk to Smith about the necromancer. As they came close to the wagon, the young man began asking Smith for more details, while Z kept her eyes open and her head on a swivel. She wasn't sure what zombies or a necromancer were either. However, she was determined to not let anything dangerous approach the group without her knowledge. The fight with the dead man had made her supremely wary. Smith, I know speed is of the essence right now, but while we're taking a break, I've been curious. What is a necromancer? The smith almost seemed to flinch at the word, and turned to give his attention fully to his apprentice. A necromancer is one who can give a false life to that which is already dead. Some call it undeath, but whatever you call it, it is evil. Thomas began thinking furiously about what sort of advantage that could have towards someone with unworthy goals. Good heavens, Thomas breathed. Will, who had been sitting with Brand and overhearing the conversation, spoke up. It's some form of magic, isn't it? Smith turned to look Will in the eyes and answered, It is. A twisted, perverted form of magic. 
and then he continued to stare at Will, not speaking, just steadily staring at the young mage. Will wilted in that stare, and as he bowed his head, he mumbled, If I ever become that, I hope you lot will end me before I have a chance to do any real harm. He shook his head, disgusted with this new knowledge, but he stayed close, hungry for more information. Was that the necromatic talking to us? asked Thomas. His eyes were wide, and his voice had cracked again as he spoke. Yes, lad. Necromancers, here the smith over-enunciated the word, can speak through the beings they've taken hold of. They are very dangerous, and not to be taken lightly. Thomas thought some more, going over everything he had recently learned. Smith, he asked. How could a zombie threaten Inga's hall? Well, what I mean to say is, you took the head off that bloke and the trouble ended directly. Disgusting and dangerous I'll give you, but there was only the one. The big man took another deep breath and looked at Thomas. You've got a quick mind, boy, but I'm not sure you're ready to hear this. Will had stayed quiet until this moment. But after hearing Smith balk at Thomas's question, he now spoke. Smith, if this necromancer is hunting us, if it is indeed headed toward Inger's Hall where we are headed, shouldn't we know what we are dealing with? The burly blacksmith nodded his head wearily. Aye, lad, aye. But it's not a joyous task, and I don't want to frighten anyone, but... I suppose we're past that now. Smith lifted his head to look at the two boys. A necromancer will shield himself from intrusion, usually using a magic circle of some kind. The circle will allow him to focus. He won't hear what's going on outside it. Shouting, threats, bribes, he won't even hear them. After a moment or two, he continued. While he is focusing on the circle... He will be able to control many of his... Uh... Smith seemed to struggle with his words a bit here. His minions, I suppose. He will station them around the outside of his circle, protecting himself as he works his magics on them. They will then commune directly with their minions. Those minions, well, they're stronger than a man. They don't feel pain and cannot be reasoned with. They are totally under his control. Thomas interrupted the smith then. Why does he make them stand outside the circle? Wouldn't they protect him better being closer? Will also asked a question. Smith, you called the man back at the campsite a zombie, but now you're calling his agents minions. What's the difference? Smith held up his hands to forestall the two young men. One at a time, lads, please. Then he smiled. It seemed to the big man that even in the face of danger, these two were hungry for knowledge. Always with the questions. And the smile transformed his face for a moment. One second he looked older. He looked weaker and fearful. The next second, after the smile, he seemed ten years younger and twice as strong. Soon, after his face sobered, and he answered the questions in turn. Tom. The reason he keeps his minions outside the circle 
is because although the circle helps him to concentrate, the circle is weak and can be broken by anything passing through it. It wouldn't hurt the necromancer, but it would make it very hard for him to control more than a few of his minions. Well, the reason I'm saying minions instead of zombies is because he may be able to control dead animals as well. A human who's been turned is terrifying enough, but think if he were controlling a bear or a mountain lion. They wouldn't be able to be scared away. They'd be stronger than they were alive. And unlike most animals, they wouldn't leave after they'd eaten their fill. They'd just keep killing. The two young men felt their eyes grow wide as the implications flooded through their minds. The more the smith spoke, the greater the danger seemed to grow. Thomas again asked a question. Smith, how do you know all this? I thought you said that this land had rarely seen a necromancer. Aye, lad, I did say that, replied Smith, and it's true to my knowledge. I know these things because when I was a younger man, before I learned to be a blacksmith, the crafter's eyes took on a faraway look as though he was looking through the past years. I was a very angry young man. I was big for my age and stronger than most, and I, uh, I got what I wanted or what I needed by hurting other people. Didn't care much who either. I was a nasty sort boy, believe me. I'm still haunted by the memories of what I've done. What happened? said both Will and Tom together. Someone showed me how wrong I was, but that's not the point. I joined a group of men who liked to fight. We were sellswords, who were paid to fight. And after I'd been with them a few years, a young lord who fancied his neighbor's land and holdings hired us to take them away from his neighbor. The only problem was, his neighbor had a necromancer in his employ. All the men of my group were killed. So far as I know, I'm the only one left. It was the single most terrifying experience of my life. I still have nightmares. Smith looked around them and slapped his knees as he began to stand up. We should get back on the road again. He finished rising to his feet and began to help Will get Brand back onto the wagon. The older son of the baker had been dozing this whole while, tired as the wound and the travel had left him. Thomas looked around him at the stretch of road they were traversing. The sky was very blue, and the day was very warm. But it was such a diverse setting from last night that he thought for sure it couldn't be as dangerous as Smith had said. He then looked to Z. She always seemed to make him feel better when he wasn't sure how he should feel. She was looking down the path the way they had come, and for once her head was not swiveling at every sound. She almost seemed to be relaxed. As the young man moved closer to the young woman, he thought he saw a muscle spasm, for it couldn't have been a chill that took her, not in this heat. See, Smith says we need to be moving along now. The girl didn't move. Oi! Come on, lass, said Thomas, smiling. He liked how Smith talked, 
and had been wanting to call Z a lass since the first time he'd heard Smith call her that. Even as he called her, she did not move, but for a faint tremor in her shoulders. Moving closer to her, he realized she was not chilly, not having spasming muscles. The girl stood stock still, shaking with either rage or terror. And down the path, the way they'd come, Thomas suddenly saw why. A lone figure stood in the road, standing still and staring directly at the pair of them. Smith! cried Thomas, and he grabbed Z's hand and pulled her toward the wagon. At first, Z would not budge. Thomas reasoned it must be rage that shook through the girl, for she growled a bit deeper in her chest, and she pulled against Thomas toward the figure watching them. She tried to pull her bow from her shoulders, but Thomas knew better than to let her attack all alone. He nudged the back of her knee with his foot, and her balance wavered slightly. She stared at Thomas and growled again, but he took her face in his hands and said, Hang it, Ozzy! Your bow didn't do us much good last time, did it? We've got to move! Come on! Z was taken aback by Thomas's insistence, but she gathered herself and followed him back to the wagon, not looking back. The smith was finished hitching the horses by now, and he urged them to get aboard as quickly as they could. As soon as they were, he gave the reins a quick snap, slapping the rumps of the horses that pulled it. They immediately took off at a gallop, and poor Brand was now gritting his teeth and grimacing as every bump and jostle set his arm to aching fiercely. Tom and Z looked back to where they had seen the figure in the path. They saw nothing there now, and they focused on keeping in the wagon as it jolted and jostled down the road toward Inger's Hall. After a few minutes, when they were beginning to relax a touch and get their own breathing under control, they did spare one last look down the path to be sure they weren't being followed. All they saw was a single raven flying straight toward them, not cawing or flitting back and forth looking for food, but silently, ominously, making its way directly at their backs. That's all for this week, folks. Be sure to stop in next week for the next episode. And as a side note, please wish me luck. The tall guy is competing in the Michigan Amateur Disc Golf State Championships this weekend. I appreciate all of your support. Thank you so very much, and we'll talk to you soon.